This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Shane, I was cleaning out my closet this week and I came across three of those terrible motivation posters that came out in the early 2000s. They had a bird or they had a sunset or they had some kind of ocean scene. And this one said, believe and succeed. It had a Winston and Churchill quote on it. And I got to laughing at those and thinking about the fact that I once had these in my office, thinking that this was going to help motivate me. And now looking back on it, and I'm like, this is absolutely ridiculous. But they were huge in the marketplace. Do you remember this? I do. I had some of those. I really enjoyed them, though. Maybe I was cheesy like that. I think they were pretty commonplace in every corporate office. And I had the one that said justification and it had all the nice cars in front of the really big house on the cliff overlooking the water and thinking back now and I'm like, no, absolutely, absolutely not. I never needed those things, but I did appreciate that someone spent all this energy and time creating these cliche motivational statements and putting all this imagery with it. And maybe there's some really successful business people out there that were motivated by those posters. I mean, who knows? It wasn't me, but maybe there were. And now I love the memes that you can find where that people are going in and memeing them. I think those are even better. So I don't know what that says about my mindset. You know, for a very self-motivated individual, I've never needed someone else to motivate me. And I think it's an interesting topic because our agent friends struggle here, especially those that start agencies or I've even called it getting in a rut. You know, going through the recruiting process with my youngest daughter kind of taught me, not because of her actions, but because of some actions of others and really some of the guidance. There's this thing out there in the recruiting world, kind of a commit and disappear kind of statement, commit and go silent. It's this concept, it's this really, really bad scenario of these high school athletes who see their verbal commitment to their college of opportunity as the pinnacle. And the recruiting process is so dang hard in softball and baseball because it's percentage sports. In football, there's no percentage. You either get a scholarship or you don't. And when you get the scholarship, it's full. Basketball is the same way. Baseball and softball, they have to field these rosters with 12.7 scholarships. They have to fill these 20 to 30 player rosters, depending on which sport, with percentages. And so it makes it really difficult when you're going through this recruiting process. There's so many athletes and there's this thing out there that when you finally actually are recruited and you make your decision and you make that commitment, that you see that as the pinnacle when really it's the beginning. We could develop a whole series of motivational posters and sell them to these high school athletes around, (laughs) you've just begun. You've made your decision. Your life has just now started. I'm seeing a new profit center that's creating a a little bubble over your head right now. Yeah. It's a whole new thing that could happen that would be really successful because they go through a three, four, five-year process of developing, recruiting, getting on radars. And then September 1st of their junior year, they can now finally get a call from a coach. And if that call comes, great. If multiple calls come, that's great. If no calls come, we've missed some things. So there's all these like really crazy emotions. And when that call comes to that athlete, 
and they actually find out that they're really on the radar, that they're going to be recruited, it's like this pinnacle moment of making a yes decision, and then they stop. It's like I've made it. And then they just stop working. And they have no clue at this point that they really needed to supercharge their effort because that freshman fall is going to be one of the hardest periods of time that they're ever going to go through. They're going to step on campus. They're going to be in a whole new environment. Their identity's completely changed. They're no longer high school stud. They're college freshmen. They have to mingle, fit in with the new team on a new strange place, in a new campus, new strange place. And then they have to win a job on the field against 22, 23, 24-year-olds, maybe 25-year-olds in their sixth COVID year. And there's this oh my gosh moment, what has happened? And if you did the commit and disappear thing because you didn't work through that two-year period, then you're in trouble. And something else that I've seen is there's that moment and you commit and you're on this kind of high and then there's this denouement where things are just coasting along and then you start to question and then you start to second guess and then you start to get maybe calls here and there from different schools and you're thinking, well, should I have done that instead or should I do this instead? And it's a situation where you know that what you've got is so much better, but this person's still kind of active and they're in your space and you start to second guess. And when you start to second guess what you're doing, when you second guess the best decision of your life, then that really creates motivational issues. And I think that that's in sports and I think that's in our agencies. It is. Quick story. My daughter committed within the first week of her eligibility to talk to a coach, September of 2020. There's this really exciting moment for her, all those workout hours, all of those days, all that travel, all those things come to a head and this moment happens and this excitement happens. And then to your point, it's over. There's no more pursuit. And that's one of the things that is so hard for these athletes is that pursuit has ended. There's nobody else pursuing them. Now it's on them to get going. It's on them to get better through this time. Interesting enough, as that's happened, we go through the fall into high school ball about halfway through high school season. So this would have been her junior year. She's having an all-state year. She ends up making all-state at the end of her junior year. So she's having a phenomenal year and a local local junior college coach who's just named the new head coach starts pursuing her really just not caring that she's already verbally committed any chance we can get Emma to stay at home any chance that this is an opportunity that she would be wanting to come here and play I really want to build a program here etc etc now Emma's going to the University of Kansas they just won the national title in men's basketball They have an incredible facility offering for their athletes, an incredible college experience for their athletes, and facilities on the softball program are second to none. Just an incredible opportunity. Lawrence, Kansas is an incredible college town. It checks all the boxes. And as a dad, I got excited when that junior college coach started messaging me on Facebook. Because somebody else is now pursuing. Somebody has shown interest. Had to kind of just slap myself for a moment and go, that's the dumbest thing ever. Why am I getting excited about this? Because we love it when people pursue us. Let's talk about the excitement. Where are we in our business when that's going on? Let's start there. I think that excitement comes 
naturally around starting an agency or joining an agency as a producer, um, new career. So it's generally around something new. And that excitement is so easy to capture and it's so easy to be motivated because of the newness. The whole idea of something new creates excitement naturally. And I think that what happens is, is that newness after the first mm, three months, six months, maybe even 12 months, it opens itself up to, okay, this is hard. And I going to have to find this motivation every day to get better and better and better to continue to grow my business. And then you're like, what was I thinking? That one hits a lot. What was I thinking? There are those days, there are those moments, maybe even weeks or months where it's like, is this the right thing for me? Should I have done this? And I love the book Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. Every agency goes through moments um, where they, they find their tipping point. And it's different for everybody. But I like the phrase that the tipping point because you realize I might actually be successful here. I'm actually having some success. I'm better at this than maybe I thought I was. Or I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. This independent agency thing is a whole lot better than being a one-trick pony in Captive or the Direct Channel. And I have all these options. And wow, I can retain clients. And I can do my thing. And and I have so many great ideas. And I can put those ideas to work without really having to worry about big brand brother looking over my shoulder. And so there's all these things that are emotional stair steps and they lead to these tipping points. And I get excited talking to agents who are excited about those moments, but it doesn't change the fact that there are valleys inside those moments as well. So let's talk about the tipping point. I love my story about Shane and the tipping point. So he and I were having a telephone conversation one day and he was telling me that he was listening to the tipping point on his audiobook and how much he was enjoying it. And and I made the comment and I said, well, you know, it's on your bookshelf. And he said, no, it's not. And I said, yes, it is. And he goes and he looks on like it's on the right side of the bookshelf. It's like three or four from the right. And you had read like seven or 10 pages of it or something and had put it back on the shelf. But listening to it was entirely different. It was. And I knew that some of the stories sounded familiar while I'm listening to it. All of that kind of connected back to you telling me that I had the book on my shelf and actually had to go go check my shelf and and realize, oh, wow, I did start this book. Which, by the way, I'm the best business book starter in the world. And I'm the worst business book finisher in the world. I'm really good at reading about 60 to 70% of every book, if it's a business book. Now, if it's a novel, if it's a John Grisham book, I'm reading the whole thing. So the tipping point, let's talk about that some more. I think about these college athletes and I have several around me these days that are about to enter this phase of life. And it's really a life skill training for them to understand that there has to be this drive and self-motivation around taking that next step. And these individuals that find themselves in these valleys, and it doesn't mean that once you find your tipping point that you're not going to have another valley, that you're not going to have another rut. I think it's lifelong. We get ourselves into these moments where we find ourselves doing things or in something where it's not fun anymore. And that's the piece. You have to find your joy in those valleys, in those downward trends. The insurance industry right now, it's not fun. Carriers are going away. Carriers are pulling back. 
customers' price increases are driving agents nuts. The remarket cycle is heavy. It's not fun. It's okay to say it's not fun right now. It doesn't mean it's still not the best business in the world. It is. It's the best business in the world. One of the things that my husband, who I was just starting to date at the time, said to me that was really life-changing and understanding our relationships. We were, we were talking one night about relationships between men and women and marriage. And he said, I think people forget that there's a difference between fun and love. And that when relationships first start out, there are lots of fun. And you're going and you're having dinner and you're going to movies and you're going to shows and you're doing all of these things. And it's really, really, really fun. And then something happens after a few years, whether it's an illness, whether it's children, whether it's a a life challenge, a, a business failure, whatever, and it's not fun anymore. And people, quote unquote, fall out of love. But what they've really done is they've fallen out of fun. And that's what happens in our businesses, too. I mean, it's really fun at the beginning. But then when really hard stuff happens, we fall out of fun. We fall out of love with it. It's a really great equivalent with your business. It's this idea that fun changes. My joke right now is we're nearing the empty nest. I know that my wife loves me, but I'm going to find out in a couple of months if she still likes me. And because there's not going to be the buffer of children or there's not going to be the activities that were once there. And I think that our businesses have a lot of similarities to that. When you are growing at 50%, 100% growth, 50% growth rate, and eventually your agency reaches a size, if you're successful with that, where that's impossible. A $5 million agency in in written premium isn't going to grow at 50% every year. Now, if you grow at 10%, that's pretty phenomenal. If you grow at 3%, it's pretty good because we're talking about growth. We're not talking about just new business. Growing a $5 million agency to $5.5 million in a year is really, really good in personal lines uh, and, and even in commercial because you've got retention issues. You've got the rate of new business to overcome that retention. So when you get in that and you're like, yeah, this agency over here is growing at 50% and you're only growing at 5%, who cares? We're back to that stealer of the dream comparison thing. And even if you're not growing at that rate, if you're growing at all at a certain stage of your business, you're having a lot of success. And you have to think about that in terms of lifestyle and what do you want. And I have this sort of area that I call no man's land in insurance agencies. And small agencies are really successful. And I think that Larger agencies are really successful, but I think there's this mid-sized agency, and, and it's different for everyone. I can't tell everyone when they enter no man's land and when they get out of no man's land, but no man's land is where the fun gets robbed of you. You get taken out back to the woodshed, so to speak, when it comes to no man's land. And when you find yourself in no man's land, That's when you have to decide, am I going to push through to the other side or am I going to pull back? And if you do either one of those things, you're going to find your fun again. And that's my equivalent to "Mm, my marriage isn't as fun as it used to be. What are you doing? What are you doing in your marriage? When's the last time you and your spouse went on a date? When's the last time in your agency that you took a look and said, am I in this place 
where I have created this environment that is just no fun, right? I'm in no man's land. And it's usually the agents that, if you're looking at it from the outside, they're the most successful. They're the ones that are growing and booming and that all of these other agents are asking, what's the secret to your success? You know, can I come and spend time with you? And it's interesting for us to look internally and be talking to the agents and know that they're going through no man's land, but from the outside world, it's what the other 80% are striving to be. That's because nobody understands no man's land. They don't know when they hit it. And then once they find themselves in it, they don't necessarily identify where they're at. This happened to us several years ago. And I remember the conversation with my father and who was our founder and CEO at the time. And it was, hey, I think I found this thing. I think we've entered this place that I'm calling no man's land. And the issue is, is we either have to shrink or we have to push the gas pedal and we have to fight our way through it. And we decided to fight our way through it. We decided to try to get to the other side. What happens in no man's land for the owner is there's a lot of work and there's no extra profit. There's no middle management. There's no leadership team. Those things that you need, you can't afford yet. And so you either have to head down work your way, plow your way through it, or you have to make a conscious decision to pull back. Pulling back will actually increase your profits. That sounds crazy on the surface, but it will actually increase your profits. Plowing forward means you have to get to the point where you can sustain a level of profitability to put people in place that will help you manage and run your business. Those are the things to me that to try to simplify it as best possible is when you find yourself in no man's land, that's when you're managing a whole lot of things and people and you have no one there to really help you do that. Okay, so we know that you're self-motivated. What do you say to our partner agents that may not be as self-motivated or just sometimes need that outside voice? I love mentorships in terms of finding and connecting with someone who can guide you. And sometimes it's a one-way conversation. You just need to talk. I love it being in a peer group environment or at least another business owner environment, small business owners, and certainly independent agency owners live in a vacuum in a lot of ways, in a lot of cases. And that vacuum is a death spiral if we let it be. It's not fun to hold all that in. It's hard to get up every morning and not have somebody to talk to. Because let's say you're entering that no man's land space and you've got five employees and you're doing okay, you're doing good, you're profitable, you're making a a good standard of living personally, and things are happening and you're trying to decide whether to grow, you're trying to decide whether to add producers. If you don't have someone that you can bounce those thoughts off of, what you really need is someone to be able to say, hey, don't do that. You don't have that skill set. Or, hey, that would be a great idea because your skill set fits that idea perfectly. That's a big deal. That would be my number one statement. And I think the best mentors are the ones that ask questions as opposed to telling you what to do. They're able to say, why are you wanting to do that? Or where do you see this going? As opposed to saying, you need to do it this way. Because a lot of mentors will get kind of upset if they give you advice 
and then you don't take it because it doesn't work for you. So I love a symbiotic relationship with a mentor where they are asking questions that make you think through it. They're helping you solve challenges. I don't necessarily like the idea of just giving straight advice because it doesn't always work in the same situations. You know, I have a a sign in my office that says advice is what you ask for when you already know the answer but wish you didn't. Most people don't want advice. They just want validation. They want to be validated that their idea isn't stupid, that they can actually pull off what their idea is thinking. I think that's a great statement. I always was that guy. I don't love that fact. I don't love that trait. I'm not looking for permission or for someone's opinion about whether the idea is great. I'm looking for validation that my idea is ready to go. And I don't always love that about my own trait, but for years... That was the conversation. I would run into my dad's office, out of my office, looking like Chris Farley in a Saturday Night Live skit. And just like the Tasmanian devil, I mean, it was like, I have this thought. My dad was very calm and he's just sitting there and he puts his pen down and he looks up and he listens. And what do you think? And he had this statement. He would say, "Hmm, sounds good. And he would go, I can pick or chop, which basically means It doesn't matter to me. Do whatever you feel like you need to do. Well, basically every time that happened, I went and did what I come in there to ask him, what do you think about this? What I really wanted to know was tell me that I'm not stupid. Tell me that I give me permission, validate me here. That's our biggest problem as agency owners is that we want somebody to tell us that in a lot of cases. We want somebody to say, hey, you're not crazy. There's some things there as business owners that we have to recognize and deal with. And I think when you have those ideas, this is something that I've started doing with ideas for myself and then different people that I've mentored. Somebody will come to me with an idea and I'll say, why? And they'll give me an answer. And then I'll ask again and say, okay, but why? And usually the third or fourth why, we get to the real root of what we're doing, why they're wanting to make the change, why they're wanting to really do that. But your initial why is never really your why. So keep asking yourself, okay, if I'm making this change, if I've decided to do something different, or I'm going to try this new idea, keep asking yourself why, and it gets deeper and deeper. And then you're going to get to the point where you're like, okay, this really is is a good idea, or maybe it's not such a good idea, or maybe I should wait. That's usually the scenario is maybe it's not the right time now. Maybe I need to wait on making that decision. So if you don't have an outside mentor, find one, or you can start asking yourself why, if you can really be honest with yourself, and it will help get you there. Everything's exciting when it's new. The real challenge is when things aren't new and you're in this business and you're doing this thing and you have to get up every day and you have to battle and you have to go to work and i want to challenge listeners to identify where they're at in that stage most of the time i find that folks are struggling with motivation if they've entered that no man's land status in an agency or they don't have a mentor or they don't have someone to bounce things off of and they find themselves in the vacuum of independent agency ownership and don't let yourself get there my challenge is to fight through that and find connection 
I'm going to leave us with this quote from Homer Rice. You can motivate by fear and you can motivate by reward, but both of those methods are only temporary. The only lasting thing is self-motivation. Attitude's a choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.